You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. Well, good morning. Man, what, a, what an awesome day. Um, Honestly, when I, when I stop and think about all that the Lord has done in this last year, um, I'm just so incredibly grateful. Um, I'm grateful for what he's done, for what um, he's brought and be a part of this church family. Um, it is, words can't really do it justice. Um, just incredibly, incredibly grateful for all that we've seen and know that this is just the beginning. And so um, we're honored to be a part of this. We're honored for what the Lord is doing. And um, for this church family that he's knitting together. And so um, as we jump in, we've been in a series called First Things First. And, and usually when, when I pray and preparing for a message, I'm, I'm always, always asking the Lord, what are you speaking? Lord, what, what, are you, what are you speaking to me? What are you wanting to speak to your people? Um, and, and sometimes even you know, looking through a series and, and pulling on a, a thread in scripture and trying to figure out what the, what the Lord is wanting to, to speak and uh, this week, the Lord brought me to this passage, and I'm like, how's that going to tie in? But <laughs> um, I was more and more thinking about it. This is, this is uh, Jesus' first miracle, and I was like, hey, it's at a celebration. That's what we're doing today. We're celebrating. And in this first things first, it's his first miracle. And so um, actually, there's, there's a whole lot, and I believe the Lord um, orchestrated all of this. So if you have a Bible with you, we're going to jump right in for the sake of time today. Um, we're going to be in John chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. I'll give you a minute to get there. If not, if you didn't bring your Bible or your phone, um, notes will be, or the, the passage will be on the screen as well. Um, I'm going to, I know I've said this the last couple weeks, I'm going to land the plane early, okay? I think I did last week. Don't laugh. Um, all right, three thoughts. We're going we're gonna, to uh, learn from this uh, as we open up God's Word. John chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says this. It says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the, fest- during the festivities. Uh, for those that are Baptists in the room, it's not grape juice, okay? Just, it's cool. Um, that was a joke. Cool. All right. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Verse 4, dear woman... That's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. This absolutely relates to nothing. Uh, But in student ministry, uh, right as I was leaving, they were encouraging uh, students to memorize scripture. And one of the teenage boys uh, picked this verse. He's like, dear woman, why do you concern me? And I'm like, that's such a teenage boy verse to memorize. All right. Verse 6. Standing there, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the water had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servant followed his instructions. And when the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, although of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. They, they, it's the bottles first, but then after the party, they like switch to Franzia. It's like the box wine, right? They start with the, the good stuff and then they've had a couple and then like, hey, let's bring out the cheap stuff. No one's gonna be able to tell. 
He says, but you have kept the best until now. And this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and disciples believed in him. And after the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. So three simple thoughts that I want, to, I want us to, to pull out as we unpack this story. The first one is that celebration is a, an important discipline. Celebration is an important discipline. You're like, that seems like an oxymoron, right? Discipline is not usually synonymous with celebration. But I, I think that sometimes we have to discipline ourselves to celebrate. Wedding was a very different thing in a the culture then. Um, wedding wasn't just like a four-hour thing that you endured. A, a wedding would last typically about a week, right? You get, you get stressed out of your mind in the summer when you have like weddings and weddings to go to on Saturdays, right? Imagine like a whole week long of that, right? Now, it was, it was the highlight of culture. It was the highlight of society to, to have this festival, to have this wedding where they would celebrate what God is joining together, to, to eat, to drink, to, to rejoice. Jesus was invited to it. Jesus and his disciples. Jesus was a part of this celebration, right? We, we sometimes, when we think about following the Lord, we think about church, we were like, it's not synonymous, right? We need to be followers of Jesus that people want to be around, right? Not just like sticks in the mud. We need to be people who celebrate what God is doing, to celebrate his faithfulness. Um, you think about it, the, the idea, the whole idea behind celebrating is, is, is a moment when we stop and we look back and we, we remember what has happened we thank God for it. We, we thank him for where we're at and when we're looking ahead. Like this idea of remembering 1,200 times in scripture, it says to remember. Why? why? Why was it always God was saying, hey, remember this. Hey, remember this. Remember this. Because one, we're stubborn. As, as, as humans, we're stubborn. We have short-term memory sometimes. I have the memory of a goldfish, I feel like at times. Like we, we, we have to stop and remember. Throughout scripture, there's, there's these times where God's like, hey, you need to stop Every year they got together and they celebrated the Passover feast, right? Remembering God's deliverance. There, there's, there's celebrations that talked about when the, the prodigal son comes home, what, what do they do? It doesn't chastise them, what do they do? They celebrate, right? When the parables of the, the, the things that were lost, there's celebration. There's celebrations in scripture. There's this remembering God's faithfulness. Even Joshua, as he's leading God's people out of the wilderness and into the promised land, there's this moment where, where everything stops and the Lord tells them to do something. And then each one from the leaders of the tribes, they stack these 12 stones in the middle of the river. And they says, hey, this is going to serve as a remembrance. So that when future generations, you're telling the stories, they, they come to this and they see there's like, what's that for? You can tell them a story about how faithful God was. And in our life, let's, let's be honest, we... We don't do this enough. And this is not about celebrating Renovation Church. This is about celebrating God's faithfulness. This is about celebrating what he has done and what he's building and what he has given us the privilege to be a part of. You know one of the easiest ways to get discouraged about where you are in your life is to forget where you came from. One of the easiest ways to feel stuck in, in your current situation is, to, is the failure to look back and say, God, you have brought me so far. 
And if you've brought me this far, you're not done with. Did you try again? No. <laughs> if you've brought me this far, God, you're going to continue. Forget the broken relationships he rescued you from. That we forget the mess and the muck and the mire that he plucked us out of. To forget that once we were dead in sin, but God, so rich in mercy, gave his son Jesus to die on the cross so that we can have life, that he would take the payment of sin for you and I. Like that's worth celebrating. That the message of the gospel is celebrating that we were dead, but now we are alive. So as followers of Jesus, we've got to celebrate. Not celebrate our accomplishments or our accolades, but we've got to celebrate what God is doing. One of the best ways to give him glory is to celebrate his faithfulness. It's to remember how good he is, what he is doing. And celebrate the small stuff. We celebrate the big stuff, we celebrate the small stuff. If you feel like there's, there's not stuff in your life to celebrate, then start doing stuff in your life worth celebrating. Start, start simple acts of obedience. Start following Jesus in a way that you have moments and things that you can look back on and celebrate. So as a church, like, that's, what we, that's what we wanna do. We wanna celebrate. We wanna continue to, in fact, we, we have, a, I did this as a reminder, we have cupcakes on the way out the door today, all right? Because who doesn't love a cupcake? It's like the perfect thing. Um, but we're, we're, we're gonna celebrate. Like we, we always wanna have a posture of looking back and celebrating salvation and celebrating baptisms and, and celebrating those that have making their next step going through rooted, those that the child dedications that we've seen, those that are building community and being a part of families. Like we're, we're, we're celebrating that as a church. We're celebrating his faithfulness, his power. Celebrating the fact that we're even here. Like this is a miracle. And we, we've talked about the stories and how all this happened, but the, we couldn't orchestrate this. The smartest people could not get together in an, in an area and, and try to create what God has done here. And the beautiful thing is that when God does it, no one else can get the credit. To him be the glory and him be the glory alone. So as a, as a church, our, our heart is, we're at year one. We wanna have a posture of not just celebrating this past year, but as we go forward with every day, that we would look back personally we would look back as a family and continue to celebrate all that God has done. Number two, see, I'm almost there, is that emptiness is preparation for being filled. Emptiness is preparation for being filled. Um, I'm not sure why they ran out of wine. I mean, the disciples were there. I don't know. It's one speculation, right? <laughs> Jesus is crude. They were kind of a, a ruly bunch, right? They, like, he, he brought them along and they were, they were invited to this. Uh, but more than that, they actually believed that maybe it was, it was because this young couple didn't have a whole lot of money. And so they, they, they spent everything and it wasn't enough. And they ran out of wine. Um, this wasn't just like a faux pas. It's like we live in the South and we cook extra casseroles when someone comes over, right? You don't want to run out of food. Like you just can't. I'm in that boat too. I would rather have more than enough food than run out. But in this situation, this was like disgrace. For a couple to run out of wine, which represented healing and celebration, was basically saying like, this marriage is destined to fail. There's no joy in this marriage. 
Like there, there's, there's nothing. And it, was, it wasn't just the social embarrassment that this couple would have to live with because it was a deeply communal society. It was actually to the point where they could be legally held responsible. You were legally obliged to provide for your guests at a wedding, at a celebration. So the fact that they would run out of wine wasn't just like, ooh, it was like they were facing trouble. And so they're in this situation, but think about it. If they didn't run out of wine, there wouldn't be a miracle. We, we, I do it myself. Like I focus so much on what I don't have or the, the emptiness or brokenness or pain or whatever, but, but it's, that's the exact setting in which is needed for the filling. Brokenness has to happen for there to be healing, right? Jesus didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, your emptiness is but the preparation for you being filled. I mean, Jesus even said it when they questioned, said, hey, why was this man born blind? He's like, so that the glory of God may be displayed. So we look back at our lack. We look back at not having. And here's the deal, not every situation, not every, every problem is going to be solved by a miraculous move from heaven. Not, not every, like, you get a flat tire and you pray, it may fix, the Lord may fix it. But not everything, some, like, has a miraculous solution to it. But when was the last time you actually allowed room for it? When was the last time you actually prayed big prayers that were out of your control? where you prayed for healing, you prayed for redemption, you, you prayed for God to move, for him to provide, for him to restore, for to redeem. And then you actually left it in his hands and did your part. As a church, I want us to be a church full of faith. That we would believe God to do the miraculous. Because when we posture ourselves in this way, it's it's. It's him that gets the credit. The servants couldn't take the credit. They're not like, I made some really good wine, right? I went out to Aldi, was having a sale. And so, you know, they had some box wine in the back. No, like, hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Struck down, but not abandoned, right? His power is made perfect, not in our understanding. His power is made perfect in our weakness. When we are at the point where we're like, God, I don't know. I don't have. Only you can do it. That's the setup for the miraculous. That's the setup for God to do what only God can do. And lastly, number three, is that the pathway to significance is simple obedience. The pathway to significance is simple obedience. Mary said to his servants, he's like, hey, do whatever he tells you to do. And so they go and they get these giant stone, which were basically like bathtubs, more or less, right? These, these big stone vessels were used for the, the, the rituals of, of washing before a meal. And so basically it was dirty bath water, right? This, everyone's been washing their hands with this water. He says, hey, take these jars and these, these vessels that hold 20 to 30 gallons and go and fill them up. Now, I'm not great at math, but six jars, 20 to 30 gallons, that's a lot of wine. It's a lot of wine. They were partying, right? Actually, one speculation is that this wasn't actually just for the, 
the, the wedding itself, but this actually provided a, a source of income for this young couple afterwards. But it required work, right? It seemed like we need wine, Jesus, not water. But you're telling us to go down and to fill these jars up to bring them back and then to actually dip out the water and put it in a cup and to take it to the the master of the ceremonies? Like, that sounds ridiculous, right? Logic says that doesn't make sense. But sometimes things just don't have to make sense for it to be right. Obedience doesn't always, if, if, if our obedience is tied to our understanding, then there's no faith. Think about that. If you have to understand every step that God says to take, you're not walking by faith, you're walking in your own understanding. And we lean not on our understanding, but acknowledge his ways in everything, and he will make our path straight, correct? So we search for significance, right? We, we search for it in, 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 I mean, I saw this article of this guy who's spending $2 million a year on trying to be young again. $2 million a year. Like we, we try to find significance in, in, the, in what we eat and how much we eat or, or, or how much we exercise or don't exercise or climbing a corporate ladder or we, we wanna find this hack to find significance in our life. Like the world has all kinds of opinions of, of this is how you're significant or this is how you find significance. The Bible's clear that we, we find significance not by, not by some hack, but it's by simple obedience. It's by the diligent daily things. It's, it's this idea of that when we look at the small steps, it, it doesn't seem like enough, but when we compound it over years and over a lifetime, it produces results. This idea about like compound interest, Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world. Because it, it's just, it's weird. Think about it. You take a simple piece of paper, right? You, if you fold a simple piece of paper, I can do it maybe six times. The world record for a piece of paper being folded is actually uh, 12 times. You're like, that seems weird. 12 times. This sheet of paper was 4,400 feet long. And this girl set a world record. Uh, she was able to fold it only, only 12 times. But this idea about like, I can't actually, I don't think I can do more than that. I, mean, I lost count. Uh, it was probably four. Okay, I'm not strong enough. But this idea about like compounding interest, it doesn't make sense. But even thin little small pieces of paper, if you continue to fold and to continue to fold, if we folded it and could fold it 14 times, it would be as tall as me. You're like, you're lying. Google it after church, all right? <laughs> if, if you folded it 26 times, it would be taller than Mount Everest. If you folded it 42 times, it would be to the moon. And if you folded it 103 times, it would be 93 billion light years than the, the size of the known universe. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. It's this idea about compounding and, and building. And what God is saying is we look for the, the big moment. We, we, we look for the, for, the, for the achievement, but what God is saying, no, 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 the achievement is in the daily thing when you get up tomorrow morning and you spend time in God's word. And the next day, you spend time in God's word. And compounded over a lifetime, you will look back and say, look how far God has brought me. Investing and praying for your family. 
finding a place to, to serve in the church, doing these, these daily things. Filling the jars of water doesn't seem like much. But even mundane things in the hands of the master produce miraculous results. I want to be a church that walks like this. Um, we've told this story to a few people before, but um, the Cuyars and us, we, we go on a, uh, on a trip every year. We've done it for, I don't know how many years. How many years now? 10? Feels like that. Back before we had kids, and now there's like 47 of them. Um, and uh, we go the way of the mountains, and in 2020, uh, we, were, um, we were hiking on a trail together. We had all of our kids. It was like a little mini circus. We're walking out of this place, and we're walking to the car, and this, drive, this car drives by, and he's kind of like looking at us weird, kind of stops, rolls down the window. We thought he had a question, and he said nothing, then kept driving. And so we're, we're walking. All of a sudden, he starts like running after us. And immediately, you're like, you know, guards up, people, somebody running towards you. And um, he, uh, he saw Ashley and Laura Beth first. He's like, hey, um, I want to talk to you guys for a minute, if you're, if you're okay with that. He's like, actually, I want to talk to your husbands, too. They're like, you can't just talk to us. can't ask us for directions, you know? Um, and so we kind of walk over, and we're skeptical. He's like, hey, I, um, I feel like the Lord wanted me to tell you something. And immediately, you're kind of like, mm, all right, let's, let's see. But he has no idea who we are. He has no idea um, that we're in ministry, let alone that we're followers of Jesus. I had no idea that Renovation Church Greenville was even a, a possibility of an idea at this moment. I mean, this guy starts speaking stuff over to us and we gathered together, our two families together, and he asked to just pray for us. And we wrote this down so we wouldn't forget. And he said, I, I've, he said, I, I see that God has given you gifts that when you use them, you'll be surprised by what comes out of you. He said that God is going to use us to reach people. Who walk away or have drifted away from the church. He will use them to teach simple truths and simple things in a special way to those that didn't have it. And afterwards, we're just like, what was that? This whole idea as we've seen God's faithfulness over this last year has just been, God, you're so good. Couldn't plan it, couldn't do it, but it's not about this. It's not about building a church. It's not about building a brand or a name. It's about building God's kingdom. And it's about inviting people in to be a part of what he is doing. I think of this, I'm reminded of Ephesians 3. This has been kind of an anchor for us as a church for the last few years, this, this passage. Paul says, this is, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us 
to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I wholeheartedly believe that this is just the beginning of what God is doing. Because we, we have seen marriages on the brink of divorce and God has intervened and brought them back together. We, we've seen prodigals come home. We've said people say yes to, to Jesus. We've seen addictions be broken. We've seen God do what only God can do. And I want us to be a church that believes that he can do infinitely more than you may ask and I may ask and we may imagine. Not so that we can say, look how good we are, but so that we can have a posture say, I'm too dumb to orchestrate any of this. <laughs> but to him be the glory. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.